Hi everyone, this is the Life of Jam live video podcast. We're almost done with season two this year. We only have two more episodes, including this one in December. I call this episode Writing with Humor. And the reason is I have the most epic guest on, Tim Kirk, who wrote the most epic book. He's a writer, a filmmaker, a puppeteer. He's written three books. This is his book, Christ Never Showed Up. And talk about amazing titles. The Disappointing Near Death of Joe McPuppet and His Curious Life Afterward, published by Pelicanesis. So I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to read his bio, bring him in, and then um, he's going to read about for about five minutes, and then we'll get into the meat of the interview. So here we go. Give a wave, Tim. He's right there. Tim Kirk is, the, is a writer and filmmaker from Los Angeles. He's produced the documentaries Room 237 and the El Duce Tapes, along with a dozen other films, including, oh, it's such a great documentary, The Nightmare. We're going to talk about it, that one. And with him came The West, A Glitch in the Matrix, and the shorts, The Miami Vice Incident, and Bewitched. He also writes and directs indie narrative films, including The Mystery of Durango, Sex Madness Revealed, Director's Commentary, Terror of Frankenstein. He's also the author of the multi-generational Western novel, Burnt, which I have and I can't wait to read. And if people are nice, I might do a giveaway of, of a copy of that. And a collection of short stories, which is amazing. I read an excerpt in the LA Weekly, and I can't wait to read this book, too. It's called The Feral Boy Who Lives in Griffith Park, New Myths and Legends from the the Wilderness of Los Angeles. He curated it and writes many of the stories in it. And his most recent book is this book. Like I said, Christ Never Showed Up. Welcome, Tim. So happy and pleased to have you on. Hey, good to be here. (laughs) I'm so obsessed because I love puppets and I love books and you're a master of both. (laughs) Let's start with your latest novel, uh, which um, it's written in is diary form. Is that what you would call it in the voice of Joe, a teenager? And he kind of has to undergo the surgery and he dies for a few minutes. And Jesus Christ does not meet him at the pearly gates. So he gets pissed off. And uh, I mean, talk about how you got the idea for this. Like, what was the origin story of this? I mean, I don't want to get too biblical, but tell us the genesis of it. Um, well, uh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, we were, it's a long story about, um, about me and, and some friends writing uh, these Christian puppet plays that we <laughs> would uh, post online and, and, uh, uh after and I had created a character named Jim Hill, who was the sort of the pastor who sort of over oversaw all the different puppet plays and 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 got them online and so forth. And so a, a lot of people read those things and some of them liked them and some of them didn't like them. And um after a because while they're I, a bit blasphemous, right? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of on the edge and <laughs> So I was kind of missing like just a flat out. Well, first of all, I got to know some of the people that are a little like Joe who like grew up in, um, you know, in completely uh, church, you know, like their school was church and, you know, they never went to public school. They never did anything outside of school, uh, of church and out of sight of their faith. And so I wanted to create this character of a guy who would just, 
was like that and who was a big puppeteer and he was a big he was a, a young kid he's 17 and he um i mean 16 and he uh he was the head of his puppets theater at his school at his church excuse me uh and then he has this horrible accident and he uh and he has the you know the 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 afterlife experience and he goes to heaven and it's just like he thought it would be i mean it's not like he, he, he it was just as he imagined except jesus didn't show up <laughs> and so when he woke up he was very angry and so he just burns down his life completely and he moves to hollywood because he's learned that los angeles is the most sinful place ever so he's He's never seen a, a movie other than, you know, religious films. He's never read a book. He's never left behind, right? He's seen yeah, that. exactly. He's done all those. He's seen all of those several <laughs> times. So his life is just sort of this crazy world of sort of seeing all these new things, experiencing all these things for the first time, and also just continuing to be very, very upset with Jesus Christ. Do you want to read a portion before we got get into the uh, rest of the interview? I kind of wanted to set it up so people kind of know uh, what you're reading about. But do you want to read a portion? And I'll put the camera sure. on you. I, sure. I mean, his voice is so distinctive and the style is so creative. I just really want people to hear it. So I'm going to put the camera sure. on you. And uh, I'm here. I'm just off camera now. Um. So this is giving away something, but as part of Joe's um, Joe's journey, is he ends up um, he ends up uh, befriending uh, uh, James Con, and uh, how it comes about is he um, he's uh, he's just really down he's down at a really tough tough moment time in his in his little journey here at in in hollywood and he decides that he needs uh he doesn't have uh he doesn't have you know uh uh doesn't have anyone over looking out for him or being who he believed in so he decides that that'll be james Kahn. um so he does this crash course of watching a bunch of his films and he picks all the wrong ones he watches mickey blue eyes and uh Freebie and the Bean and all this kind of stuff that, so he really doesn't know anything about the guy. So then, uh, so then on December thirty first, he decides that he's ready to go um, to meet James Kahn. So it, uh, it goes like this: December thirty first, Joe almost ready. He learned many wonderful things. Remember, Joe had a brain. Um, he had some uh, trouble with his brain after the uh, operation, so he's skips his words a little bit. Joe almost ready. He learned many wonderful things about a wonderful man. He 81. He lived in Long Beach, California, which is very fancy and and not far from Joe. He liked New York City and TV, acting and watching and many, many films. Tomorrow is day. Operation Jimmy. Remember the night before confirmation, Joe? Of course. Very nervous. Joe at dark, dark church at night, the uh, he have key, and laugh and looking at altar and at water there, water to calm, water for Joe body. Joe will 
be back tomorrow on Sunday. See when baby Joe in the water before Joe cannot speak then. I, you know, I'm going to put my glasses here real quick. I don't know why the hell I didn't do that in the first place. And I just have to say the whole time you're reading and explaining this, I'm like in stitches, just so everyone knows. I'm cracking up back. Great, great, great. Uh, He cannot speak then. He, mom, saying words for him. Words of how Joe gives self to God. This time, Joe, say these words. Now, right now, it dark and also night. He outside Jimmy House in Long Beach, California. Nice house, big yawn. A few statues, maybe lions, tigers. There a door, house white, door is red. He closed his eyes. I can imagine Jimmy in the door, standing with the light behind him. He glowing. Tomorrow, Joe say this. He practiced it now, saying this to Jimmy. Good day, Mr. Jimmy Can. Allow me to introduce self. Name is Joe McPuppet. You may recall from previous meeting. I have a unique life experience that allow me to know many, many things of import. Let me first briefly relate this experience. In short, I died. I died at six year old and go to heaven. I see now, can promise you it real. It exists, Mr. Cam. However, this experience is very disappointing. Not to go into detail, suffice to say someone did not show up. Hint, he go by name of son of God. Just blew Joe off. Upon return earth, Joe has seen all in new life, light, and he has had many adventures, some good, some bad, and he gather information, and now he examine problem and have solution. I here today announce to you the solution. The world need a messenger, and you, Jimmy, are that messenger. That it. Joe will wing the rest. Some suggestions on message, some ideas on how spread message. Extemporaneous. Just see where conversation with Jimmy go. I know subject well and completely prepared and confident all will go well. Tomorrow, January 1st. It worked. Now I live with Jimmy. Very nice, very nice house, pool, kitchen, everything. How it happened. Joe scrapped original plan pretty much immediate. Plan survived as far as walk to door, knock on door. Then different. Let's say... Big men, bodyguards, are running at Joe. He learned a headlock is arm around neck. What you got there, buddy? Is a bag of Jimmy VHS. He learned chokehold mean hard to breathe. Seeing lots of Jimmy welcome Matt. Very close look at Matt. And someone yelling, it okay, it okay, police on way. Then Jimmy appear. Let me see this kid. They is raising Joe's head, which is also hurting. Joe never get, never forget Jimmy's shirt. It the lightest of pink and buttons are silver like pearls. Joe count eight buttons and one unbuttoned around Jimmy tan neck. Jimmy looking at Joe and Jimmy thinking, know him, not know him? This Joe only chance. So I tell Joe, not my speech. I say, I think I say, sir, I think the world need help. Maybe a messenger. Maybe I'm wrong, not sure, but I know one thing. I know that I need a friend. On confirmation day, after Joe emerged from cold, cold water, the minister says these words. The Holy Spirit work within you. 
that having been born through water and spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Jimmy say, let's get a beer. So that's, <laughs> that's how he meets Jimmy. I mean, I there's so much there, right? I mean, I, it took me a while to get the Jimmy Con, JC, Jesus Christ, the new kind of God for uh, Joe McPuppet. Um, and what I especially liked was the vernacular you use. You know, you, you make very clear that this is written in his voice, right? And um, I think it says a lot when you're reading it aloud that we're kind of hearing him in his voice uh, make little mistakes and stuff. And I love that because, and the font that uh, your publisher used and your graphic designer used, I think that yeah. was Mark Gibbons, who's yeah. one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like handwriting. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we worked on that. Uh, we found something and then Mark tweaked it, made it really Joe's, Joe's actual handwriting. <laughs> I mean, and there's illustrations. Uh, this isn't giving it away. There's an illustration at the end that says, no Jesus allowed, go to hell. And it says, <laughs> Joe still got it. I mean, I love how Joe talks about himself in the third person, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, so the book is all about this. I mean, he's kind of a recovered Christian playwriter, puppeteer, um, who then goes to Hollywood, meets James Conn, and he has all these adventures. Um, did you always know you were going to write a book about puppets? And then two, do you have any puppets there? I have Roland here, who's um, my only puppet that's in the house. Hi, everybody. I'm Roland. Oh, she's well, not going to put her hand up my neck. I'm not going <laughs> to let her. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, I wrote all this stuff before ever. Having, Sorry. I, I, we wrote all this. I wrote all the, the Christian puppet plays having never done a puppet. And then, <laughs> so then I had to, then suddenly... I was sort of being considered a puppet, so I had to kind of create one. And so I came up with this guy, and he, we called him Beazle, um, which is short for Beazlebub. He's the and devil? He's the devil, yeah. And um, I'm not very good at this. He's a rod puppeteer, puppeteer puppet. So Meaning he has like a stick in him? Yeah, a couple of, you got a stick, and then you got a couple of other sticks to control the hands. So when I would do shit, I'd just have him, I think I learned one thing where he went up <laughs> and over like that. And so that, he, he would say his catchphrase whenever he uh, he would do that, uh, that business there was up and then over. That was the, that was the best I could pull off. So I didn't want to try and do something fancier, you know. Um, so, yeah. So I, I don't know that I ever knew I was for sure. The whole origin of the puppets and the Christian puppetry uh, is <laughs> crazy. Um, but it led to me doing all this other puppet stuff. And then at one point I was, I had created this Joe McPuppet character. And then I started writing a, a blog of Joe. And then some of that became kind of autobiographical. Like I did meet James Conn, but I didn't, I didn't move in with him. Or <laughs> I just... He was just working near where I worked, and, and we would wave at each other, basically. Did you meet him through your filmmaking? Is that how you met him, like on set, on a set or something like that? Well, I was working in one place, and he was he was 
he they were shooting in a studio and then the they uh it wasn't a, it wasn't it was like an ad hoc suit studio it was for a tv show called vegas and so they just had a couple of uh of uh you know tr of trucks in back for these the, the actors to go and hang out and stuff and that was right across from where we would hang out for our lunches so we just started you know hanging out a little bit uh, I, I I never got very close with Jimmy, but, uh, you know, I did, you know, occasionally wave at each other, you know. Well, it's so funny because, you know, I don't really think about Jimmy Kahn that much, but I was reading your book and that the most recent episode of Mark Marone, he was talking about a Jimmy Kahn kind of anecdote. And I was like, oh, wow. how weird is that? And what a tough guy he is and how he's from like jersey or new york or something and just like his persona and then yeah. how um joe is watching all the wrong movies he even thinks the godfather is the grandfather which yeah. jimmy Conn is a grandfather and yeah. um and it's, it's that whole thing about operation jimmy and then he yeah. moves in with him yeah, 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 and yeah. long beach is fancy you know it's i know <laughs> yeah that's all like i was just left over <laughs> well that the other thing that i always love are books that capture place. And I think this book, because he's this novice in this area and really is like the simpleton almost in very many ways yeah. with regard to Hollywood and he gets all these things wrong and all these things right, funnily enough. That's what I loved about it because it's almost like, you know, it's it's part road trip, it's part, and then he starts like a taco truck. Yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would just urge anyone that loves to laugh to read this. You'll be cracking up the whole time. Um, and we have Victoria Waddle here. She's a librarian. Um, she's actually coming out of, out with a book with Mark for Bamboo Dot Press about a dog uh, next year. And she said, oh, cool. any book with any fun stuff about religion, I'm in. Victoria, you need to review this book on your um, school library lady. I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether schools would ever teach this. Maybe for colleges. <laughs> right, uh, you know, I do. We do cover like a lot of stuff in Hollywood. So I mean, and in LA, you know, I got the forest lawn in there. And <laughs> town and we have to talk about this because you know, as a former goth, well, kind of still a goth girl. I haven't changed all that much. There's this scene with the goth girl and then super goth dude. And you say that he's wearing a Morrissey shirt in Morrissey shirt. <laughs> Hello, thank you for putting me in your book. And um, <laughs> I'm kind of a jerk sometimes, but my music's still great. And I don't know why I'm giving him that accent. It doesn't sound like that. But yeah. um, <laughs> but so, and then the super goth rips off his Morrissey shirt to show an SG tattoo. I mean, and all the goths hang out at the forest lawn and it's, yeah. Yeah. Why is Joe so obsessed with this gothness? Is it the death? Is it that like the the you know the religious and then the being disenfranchised from JC Jesus Christ and then the goths who are kind of obsessed with death and coffins and laying the graves and well when he when he he when he first meets the goths you know he follows his pretty goth girl from <laughs> his grief group um, that he that he doesn't like and. He goes to Forest Lawn and, you know, it's this big, like, amusement park of death, really, <laughs> you know? I mean, they've got, like, different, you know, statuary and there's <laughs> different buildings you can go in and they have different programs in there, light shows and things. And 
So initially, and then he meets these goths, and they're all like they hate Jesus and they hate they hate everything. And he's like, oh my god, these are his people, and he's really happy for a while, and he's hanging out up there with them. And then he realizes, oh, you know, they don't really even believe in these guys, and they don't. So it's like that kind of just takes the wind out of his out of his sales there because he was like how can you how can you hate something you don't (laughs) believe in um and so so that's you know kind of he has kind of an epiphany that that's just not gonna work and he moves on to i think it he then gets obsessed with uh, a metallica song and 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 so he starts building his life around that for a while. What Metallica song was that? I can't remember. I have it. Uh, it's the, Because oh. uh, I kept on thinking that there's also, you know, there's isn't there a Master of Puppets song by Metallica? So I was like, yeah, all these I different intersections. And, yeah, uh, I didn't do that. I did the one. Shit, I can't remember. I, I can't remember the name of the song. I have it's the so lyrics. funny. Where's it yeah, at? He, we'll he find goes, it. Because I actually, I've had some, I've, I've spent a bunch of time up there for a large lawn. And, um, and so there's another biographical moment is that <laughs> Joe stumbles upon this uh, funeral. And he'd been told by the Goths um, that they called this neighbor, this one, this area, uh, Gangbanger Alley, the, because... It, and this is true. It overlooks uh, a uh, what they call the avenues, which is used. They've they've broken it up now, but it used to be like a very seriously heavy gang headquarters. And so, when uh, someone would get killed, they would have to. They would always get planted in the same spot because they could overlook the the avenues. Their own tur- old turf. <laughs> I had Joe go up there and. Um, he meets the father of the, one of these kids, and then that guy plays this uh, this uh, Metallica song there, and so that yeah. <laughs> really make, means a lot. Oh, it's called The Unforgiven. And the so Unforgiven, like the movie with Clint Eastwood, which he And hates. so then yeah. Joe goes, oh, I'll go watch this movie called Unforgiven, and then it's nothing like this song. <laughs> it's very upset. Um, so, yeah. But he's a... But Joe's a very big fan of um, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. That was that was a blast because <laughs> they whip him. Mm. It's just a couple of hours of just pure fun for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he makes the distinction that he's not mad at God because Jesus yeah. is JC is you know God's son, lazy son that sits on the couch all day and like does nothing, yeah. right? Yeah, he figures that if that God's probably pretty embarrassed of Jesus too, so he can't be upset with him. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna uh, have show some more. Victoria Waddle says I review YA books. I think my oldest son would love it. Um, and then Mark says it's got a very National Lampoon feel to it all. I agree, nice. and that the humor is biting. I think. Oh, totally. An older Chuck. And let's talk about that. You know, I've written a couple. Um, my memoirs in a young adult voice, some from age four to seventeen, mostly. I think it's really hard to capture that young adult angst. How did you hone 
the voice of Joe McPuppet because it's not only that you capture like a teenager, but you also capture the fact that he's a little disabled, a little, you know, um, in the, in the way that you write it so that it's not all perfect. And I also thought, you know, when kids writing diaries, they don't write perfectly, right? They misspell things. So I really loved how authentic it felt. How did you, I know it's a satire. I mean, I know this, but it still felt authentic to me. Like I felt like he existed on the page, you know? Well, thank you very much. Cause I, he does exist to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, um, when we were doing the puppet place, there was this kid, um, and I won't say his name, but he was he was very upset. He wrote puppet place himself, and he was a <laughs> lot like Joe. But he was very upset with 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 what we were doing. But wow. this character that I had created, he didn't think it was a joke. He thought it was real. It, it, I think everyone did. Um, and so this character that I'd created, uh, Jim Hill was this really, uh, in my mind, like the pastor that I wish I could have had. He was this really kind of sweet guy was always just like, you know, you, you know, you can, you know, he's like, you can, I have my beliefs, you have yours, but it's wonderful. Everyone's different. You know, that kind of guy. And, um, so he, I actually got into a dialogue as Jim talking with him and um, so anyway, he he didn't have any of these problems. He never left the church or anything like that. But there was a lot of him in, in that guy. And then I think a lot of it was also like when I was writing this stuff, especially when I was writing it, when it was the blog, it was it was almost like automatic writing. I was just like, you know, I just really just kick it out. I mean, I just. Um, I have a background with this stuff and I just could really kind of, I could understand where Joe was coming from in a way. And I, and I, I kind of, and I admire him too for, 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 for taking a stand and, and, you know, and, and cutting him, leaving this kind yeah. of safe place that he had and heading off into the world. And, you know, he has some ups and downs along the way. I mean, but he moves to Hollywood on his own, which is amazing, right? Yeah. He's kind of making it on his own. He's sleeping, you know, on Jimmy's, you know, in Jimmy's house and stuff. But yeah. he's he has all these, like, he's almost like an entrepreneur. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but um, let's also talk about um, the look of the book. How did yeah. you and, um, was it you and Mark Gibbons? And I think yeah. there's some artwork by Alexandra Fernandez as well. How, uh-huh, did, how did you... Because it almost looks like a zine at times. Um, one of my favorite writers, Isabel Quintero, wrote a book called, she's from Corona, Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, that uses some illustration stuff like this or mm-hmm. artwork. And then um, Dennis Kalichi's brother, Alan, wrote a book uh, that ha- about his heart transplant that had some illustrations. But this mm-hmm. is the first book that I've seen that looks actually like a composition notebook. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. then you, you have the picture of Jesus with the Christ never showed up. And the long title, which I'm a big fan of long titles. I know that uh, people who have to review the book aren't because they have to keep Uh on writing it over and over. But, I mean, there's stuff like that. I mean, there's pictures that Joe McPuppet's mom with all her creepy dollies. Yeah. Um, I mean, how did you decide to do this? I mean, this is not easy. A postcard or like a little letter from one of from Michael, who's not cool at all. But uh, he calls him his dummy friend, Michael. Um, Yeah. How did you do that? Like, was that like really a lengthy process? Yeah. 
I mean, early on, I had the idea that Joe would be taping things into the book, you know, and that was also important because he does have a, a bunch of his puppet plays in there, and then uh -huh. there's this other character that shows up, uh, Richard J., who's got his own puppetry. Um, and he's the formerly um, incarcerated. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the formerly incarcerated. <laughs> he was the puppet. He was the puppet master at. He was the puppet master at Jim, Joe's church before he went away, and then Joe <laughs> Joe Joe took over. Um, but um, yeah, so we had that idea, and then. I, I worked with this young woman out of hundred and and I hope I I've been hoping I can find her. I we we just before the pandemic, she turned in all this great art and then she disappeared and literally I cannot find her. I like her phone, text, email, nothing. So I'm a little concerned that you know something something has happened. Um so Mark jumped in and finished it and he did a great job and he did a lot. He, and not only that, but he, he recreated a lot of stuff and he also came up with some new stuff and then he built the whole idea, the whole business with the composition. Mm -hmm. um, because what we wanted to do was like you said, it was a composition book, but a, a Christian composition book. So it would have Jesus faith <laughs> on it, but then Joe like, Put some tape over it, and <laughs> messing with it, um, and then we had to come up with Joe's handwriting, like we talked about, and that mm -hmm. was a lot of work. Um, but I'm really brilliant. proud of how it looks. I think Joe, I think Mark just did a fantastic job. It really is. is it's brilliant. Is, I mean, it's brilliant. Um, I also want to talk, I want to get into your films and stuff, but before we get off this book, you know, you talked about your puppet that uh, started this all, Beasel Bub, yeah. and then, um, but you were actually on a, on a pilot called America's Next Muppet, where you got to audition in front of a crew of Muppets. Was that That's like, true. just like the pinnacle of being a puppeteer kind of thing? Yeah, it was, it was. It, it was really funny because I, like I said, I hadn't really been. I mean, we've been writing all these things, but mm -hmm. I hadn't been really doing any. And then, um, and we actually got, before this, we got asked by Penn and Teller did some show called like, this is bullshit or something where they would, you know, they would make fun of people who believe things that they didn't believe in. And so they wanted us to do an evolutionary play, which are, which Johnny, Johnny puppet wrote this great one. We all have puppet names and, um, called up from the use. It was just amazing. But but we didn't have any puppets. So they wanted us to do it. And we were like, I don't know what we're gonna do. But by the time this came around, I, I made this little short. So I had the the Satan puppet. And a friend of mine was just uh she's a writer and she was in a meeting with um Lisa Hen Henson and Oh um, wow. And afterwards they were just talking to shit and then she was like, uh, somehow it came up about this, um, about this video I had done uh, with a puppet, and um, and and Lisa had seen it, and she was like, oh wow, we're we need somebody to, we're looking for people to be on this show. We're shooting a pilot based on the the 
America's Top Model, but it'll be the next Muppet, and whoever wins gets to have their puppet on the show. Um, and then they said, "Would your friend like to be in it?" And my she was like, "I gotta tell you, he's he's not really a puppeteer." Um, <laughs> and Lisa was like, "Well, is he funny?" And she said, "Well, yeah, it's funny." So okay, so I went down there and I had to come up with this bit, but it was great. I mean, it was I mean, it's a dream come true to be standing backstage with this guy, Beazel. <laughs> and I was dressed, I don't think I had suspenders, but I had on, oh, I had on a vest, like a bright, shiny vest, you know, and um, my idea of a puppeteer. <laughs> and then, so I'm behind this, the curtain and you hear um, uh, Kermit, Galician gentleman, Tim Kirk and Beazel. Oh. And then I come out and it was Pepe, and I think Fozzie and Miss Piggy. I would die. I know. And so I did my bit. And I'm not a puppeteer, so I'd come up with this bit where he would say, he had this catchphrase, which was, uh, oh, what was it? It was, oh, it's not my fault. What? No. What am I going to do? I'm evil. And so I would have him go, what are you going to do? I'm evil. I'm like, up and then over. I'm not doing it very well here, but <laughs> when it was over, I had already been told because I'd been sitting outside waiting before, and David Arquette and uh, Pee Wee had just done a bit in there. And so they came out and they were like walking around like, like, like they were going to faint. They were just in really bad shape. And they were like, have you been in there yet? And I was like, no. And they go, oh, Miss Peach, so awful. <laughs> She's terrible. And they just really looked just awful. So I went and I was terrified. And she was. She was just laid into me. And, <laughs> um, and so anyway, but it's worth it, you know. But anyway, totally. so out of nowhere, I was actually a puppeteer. And, and I, I went. I think I went right to the pinnacle of puppeteering man I mean you know. I think you did I mean one of my favorite movies of all time is forgetting Sarah Marshall because of the puppet obsession in it you know yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean just the end with the Dracula puppet and all the right. puppets I mean it's there's a magic I mean if you grew up watching the Muppet show so who's oh. your favorite Muppet I like Fozzie so do I. I do. He's and different. I like Miss Piggy and Kermit. Yeah. I call my yeah, husband I, Kermit and I miss Piggy. Yeah. My stepsister was just crazy about Miss Piggy. Yeah. Yeah. She's been on Project Runway is what's funny. They oh had to design God. an outfit for her. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. And she laid into the people that she didn't like their outfits. She's really? actually kind of bitchy and mean. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's the shtick, right? Yeah. Oh, um, I the guy who did it. He's super sweetheart. I never would have thought. <laughs> You never would have thought. Did they ever air the pilot? Or did it no, not get, no. um... they, they shot it and I think they had some internal stuff and they didn't do it. But uh, it's mean, out I, there. I don't want to see it. I would love to see a cop. I, I can't yeah. wait to watch your short Bewitched, which is also a puppet show. Um, but I was telling you in the green room that my twin sister Jackie has always been obsessed with puppets and has always wanted to be a puppeteer. And she um, she probably would want to know how you become one. And yours just kind of happened organically. Yeah. But my mom drowned all of her puppets. She had a big puppet oh, collection wow. and they were all drowned in a horrific flooding accident that my mom did not tell my sister about for three days. So all the puppets got mold and died. Ugh, they were tortured. Terrible. 
That's terrible. Yeah. So Judy, if you're watching, you're a murderer. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so you're also a filmmaker and I want to yeah. talk and we're going to talk about your other books, but let's, let's talk about your other books really quick. I want okay. people to pick up these books. Burnt is a multi-generational Western novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's set up, it's in three different time periods, but they all come together and, and one of them's straight out Western and others sort of about early Los Angeles. And then another, because I can't get away from the uh, church is about, um, is about a, a girl, a woman who was in um, Amy Semple McPherson's church uh, in the thirties. Oh, cool. Uh, and the, anyway, all these threads come together and they have a big ending. Um, and it's, it's a pretty heavy book. Uh, it's not as funny as the as <laughs> the, the Jesus spoken stuff. <laughs> also by Pelicanesis. And then yep. I read an excerpt in the LA Weekly of your story, Scoop of the Century, which is in oh, cool. this book. Yeah. Um, uh, the Pharaoh Boy Who Lives in Griffith Park. And um, there's other writers who write in here, but you write a number of the stories. Um, and I thought um, the Scoop of the Century is very funny. And yeah, it takes yeah. place in LA as well. And yeah. so um, I'm just going to tell everyone, I mean, these are all your books kind of have these different themes and, um, this, you know, a little bit in noir, maybe in the Western, but mm -hmm. uh, it's just so interesting that you can write in all these different genres and then you're a filmmaker. So uh -huh. I watched your documentary, The Nightmare. And the reason I chose that one to watch is number one, I could find it. And I was like, oh, I don't have to uh, buy an app to get it because yeah. I think it's on like uh, Prime Video for free right now. So it's called okay. The Nightmare and it's about sleep paralysis. And you uh, you produced and uh, helped write it. And so, I mean, do you want to tell people about that? I just thought it was the most terrifying thing because yeah. I've actually, I told you before, I've had that happen to me when I was young and when I've become older, I've had it happen a couple more than once. And uh, you kind of interview people and they have these terrifying stories of being not being able to move and they're being almost like visited by someone or something. Yeah. Well, the director, Rodney Ash, who I've worked with, he, um, on a couple of other films and he, he had this experience once when he was pretty young and it never went away. And we got into interviewing, we started researching people that had these experiences and, you know, they were just terrifying. And then what was also interesting is they had often had a lot of shared imagery, which is really strange. Um, so we interviewed them. And then, as you saw, we we did recreations of, mm -hmm. of what, what they were seeing. And a, a lot of people, it's, it's, it was like on the set, it was like, I think 20% of the crew had had the experience at some point. Yeah. Wow. Um, and for those people who don't know what it is, is you, you're sleeping, but you, you wake up or you at least feel that you've woken up, right? But you're totally paralyzed. You can't move. And you can see all these things. And sometimes these beings are talking to you or, or, or torturing you. or um, But you're totally paralyzed and you feel this total... <coughs> uh, like someone's pushing down on holding you on the bed. Um, so we get into all the whole thing of like, you know, it's real. How much is it? Why do people see the same thing? You know, yeah. it's pretty scary. 
And you, and you, yeah. yeah. As someone who's had it, 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 I'm sure it was terrifying. Well, yeah, because there's this figure who's like a disjointed, like dark man, and he's like, like over the bed, and it's just so terrifying. And my uh, sleep paralysis always has a religious component, which is interesting with this stuff, um, that intersection of that. But which do you think you prefer to paint a story and paint a picture? The written word or film? Or do you like the, the intersection of those two things? Um, that's a tough one. I, you know, I really, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll approach it from the process. I really like the collaborative element of a, of a film. I mean, I end up spending a lot of time you know, we, we're talking with people and with, you know, we all work together, you know, the cinematographer and the casting, everything. And and then also, so I just love that. So writing is very different. However, and so I like the, con so when I'm doing the writing, I really like the control that I have because I'm not, because I really just, when I'm, when I'm making a film, even though I've directed a number of films, I never feel like I'm really in control. I'm just sort of, part of this whole thing um but that was part of what was so wonderful about this one was that um you know working with mark to get this and making it a an object you know yeah. what i mean not yeah. just a conduit to what i'd written but even the words themselves you know were 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 in character really you know yeah um, and so that's, was very, very interesting to create. Like I say, I keep coming back to it as like creating an object, you know, instead yeah. of just a, a thought or something, you know? Um, and that's what I loved about it is it's so tangible and real and it goes against this idea as books as an electronic medium. This is really meant to be held and flipped through. I mean, I, 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 you know, I always dog ear all my pages and highlight and write. Uh -huh. and I mean, it really is almost interactive in a lot of ways, right? Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I like, I love the, it's almost a graphic novel in ways. Yeah. Elements of that. Yeah, I think it is. Because if you add in the font too, which is a whole art in itself, in which I've never seen this done. And I love um, books, like I said, Gabby Girl pieces that's written in, diary journal form but i've never seen it done like this where you feel like you are literally reading something that he created this joe mcpuppet and why joe mcpuppet why did you chose that name um well it just he was that would actually well i think i think it was just because he had the puppet background mm -hmm. and um <laughs> and i just you know a lot of his decisions are, are pretty he just he has the thought and then uh -huh. sticks to it, you know, because he's very stubborn, you know. Yeah, he is. Um, could this ever be a movie? I don't know. I mean, I really love it. We'd have to get someone to read this better than I do because I can hear his voice, but it's hard for me to do. But the the perfect guy would just be someone who has this kind of like just urgency to talk and it's just kind of getting he's running over his words but it's you know it's it's compelling and um it, i yeah yeah i don't know that that would be great that, that would, would be, be great i mean just be here and do that 
and to physically see him because he's had some yeah. brain trauma. So, um, I mean, Jimmy keeps on trying to get him to the doctor because clearly yeah. he's disfigured in some way, but you don't yeah. really totally understand what he actually looks like. But I heard his voice so uh-huh. strongly, oh, like kind great. of a bar, like really Simpson-y kind of bratty kid, but also like super evangelical at first, but then like, like his whole work. I mean, because even though the book is humorous and a satire at the core of it, is this idea of these belief systems that we create, right? Yeah. And how important they are to us as youngsters, especially that we all kind of need something to believe in. And what happens when that belief system gets shattered, right? When you yeah. find out JC isn't going to show up for you at the pearly gates, like that's yeah. kind of effed up, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. if that's the, the, what you, at the core of your belief, you know? Then he, uh, he has to, like, and it's so fun though because he also like he watches a John Candy movie. He's never seen <laughs> any movies, and so this is the best film he's ever seen, you know. And he just thinks he's so funny and a genius. And he just, and from then on, everything he watches, another JC, yeah, John Candy, yeah, yeah, yeah. But from then on, everything is that uh, used as a rule, you know, that John Candy film that he saw is just a, a real it's one of his words films yeah, <laughs> that so. was it who's harry crumb yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is not i mean play traits in automobiles hello Caddyshack. No, hello right but no he's watching i mean just like with james Caan, he's watching yeah. mickey blue eyes and says yeah perfect exactly. for that role. Yeah, perfect. yeah yeah there perfect. you go you know yeah, and yeah totally. and he thinks the grandfather the godfather is called the grandfather then he yeah. you know gets the awakening yeah. but uh <laughs> Talk to us a little bit. There's a lot of writers that watch this show. How did you decide to start writing books? Um, how did you start? And what advice do you have for writers who want to write a story and write something super experimental like this? I mean, I like I said, I've never seen this done before. It's not something that I've ever seen um, translated. I mean, I guess there are graphic novels, but this is more of a hybrid in a way. Um, so, like, what advice do you have? Like, just be creative. I mean... You're super creative. That's obvious, right? You're super brilliant, but you're also able to translate it, which not everyone can, right? Some people get stuck in one genre or one form, but you're moving through these different forms and genres. I mean, pretty much with ease and fluidly. Well, I think that the biggest thing I would say is just, just follow your instincts to write, you know, like, Mm -hmm. for example, this thing came out of the puppet, theater i just had this idea that it would be funny or or interesting actually more than funny to try and write a christian puppet play because i come from a christian background and uh and i thought oh this would be really interesting and then i just got really obsessed in it and Mm -hmm. and then out of that became king joe you Mm -hmm. know and burnt which was an idea i'd wanted to write for a long time but I just couldn't figure out the angle. I'd, and every time I would think about it, I'd be like, God damn it, I could do it. Or I said it in the past, or I could do it as this modern thing, or I could just, so I had all these different versions of that story. And then I was just like, okay, I'm just going to write them all, mm. but I'll just write them different. You know, I'll just write in that world of that telling of that story 
but in different areas and I'll break it up and no one will ever know it's the same story because it's really not ultimately. Yeah. Um, but so it was just, again, that was just like, that was a bit of an epiphany and there's generally not a whole lot of epiphanies in, in writing, you know, you got to just do it. But that, but so I, I would say with those was all like that. And also, and then the feral boy would be, my phone calls here. Sorry. Um, my, I, the Pharaoh boy is, I was spending a great deal of time in Griffith Park because they have a bunch of, of uh, playgrounds and things there. And there's pony rides and, and train things and stuff. And I had a little daughter and we spent all our time there, like hours there. And so I just started kind of like, goofing on the idea of uh, of a mythological character, you know, and it yeah. was also based on like I said, she was a young girl and I was, she was interacting with young girls and young boys and I was sort of thinking about the different of young kids and young boys and, you know, their energy and thought it'd be interesting to set that in Griffith Park of like a character that's like that. And so yeah, was, and it's this iconic place, right? And not speaking of icons, Jane Wilden from the Go-Go's is one of your blurbists. And right. I was like, oh, my God, because hashtag obsessed with the Go-Go's since I was a kid. I wanted to be Belinda. But Jane was my second favorite. Um, and how'd you get her to write a blurb? That's so freaking cool, man. Oh, um, one of my writers, Rob Zabrecki, uh, so I wrote a bunch of the stories and then I just wanted, it was having so much fun with it. I wanted to turn the character on to other people to write. Uh -huh. um, and so. Uh, That's a I, great idea. Rob, so someone just mentioned sex madness in here and Rob was. Oh yeah. Let me put that up really quick. Sure. Uh, that's Ruth Marlene who wrote um, Agave Blue. She was on last week. She oh. said, um, watched a bit of sex madness revealed for research. Fascinating. Yeah. She also um, watched that was a film. So Six Madness Revealed is I took an, an, an actual old film called Sex Madness that was like Reefer Madness. And then we have this sort of voiceover of these two characters talking about the making of the film. And it's all made up. I've come up with this whole secret world of what happened. And so Pat Oswald plays the... Um, Love him. Yeah, he's great. And he plays a podcast guy who's running this and then Rob Zabrecki who's this incredible um talented like he's a magician and a musician and an actor and everything so he was in this so anyway I loved his his writing because he showed me his memoir that just came out it's called Strange Cures oh and I gotta get that it's great but I read an early version and I was like oh man would you write a short story about this so he did and um, anyway, somewhere in his journey, he had met Jane. And so I said, oh, can I, do you think it'd be cool if I used your name to send her the book? And he goes, well, I haven't talked to her in years, but yeah. So I sent her the book and she really liked it. And so she wrote this thing, which was, which is great. Cause you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, the, I've, I've read all of the Go-Go's autobiographies at this point. Oh yeah. 
I used to, we had uh, the Go-Go's live concert on Laserdisc and we used oh, to play wow. over and over. Wow. Um, the, uh, and I had read part of Gold Star for Robbie and I was so impressed because he references something that I reference in my book, Pup and Taco. No oh, one knows about Pup and Taco. There's one on Vineyard and Fourth uh, Street when I was a kid. Yeah, that's really important in his life. Uh, his childhood. Wow. Where a was precursor. it? It was on 4th and uh, Vineyard. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's where the Carl's Jr., like that area where it used to be. And uh-huh. uh, we used to go there, or maybe it was 4th. No, it was 4th and Vineyard by the, there was a Pioneer Chicken and there was a Pup and Taco. And uh, both gone. Pioneer spent chicken. my whole childhood at Pup and Taco, like bicycling mm-hmm. there, 10, 25 cent taco day, you know? I mean, wow. to me, these these hallmarks of nostalgia are yeah. so important. And that's why I love stories about place that captures place because we're capturing time. And by capturing time, we're capturing memory. Uh-huh. And for me, there's just something so profound, you know? And that's why I love watching, I'm sure you do too, watching old movies from like the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And you'll see New York. It's not really for the movie sometimes. I like just to see the scenery because I, I love yeah. movies that capture time as well and play. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's another film I made was called Room 237 with the same director. And that's about The Shining, and which is obviously about a place and about the power of a place. And that's <laughs> what drew me to that project. So I'm I, completely. Where can I watch that? And where can our viewers watch it? Because, see, I read a bunch of articles about it, but I yeah. wasn't able to get the actual film because I really want to watch it. Um, Not on Prime Video? Okay, I'll things? look on Prime. Um, you I'm must. Looking- it was on Netflix for, it was running free on Netflix for a long time, but I don't think it does anymore. So I think you got to go to Prime. I loved all the um, references that people are giving their own theories about, like the Apollo moon landing and stuff about yeah. the shine. Yeah. The shine. So I'm a huge Stephen King fan. The Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, it's a yeah, Kubrick film, right? It's just, it's um, amazing, amazing, amazing. So I'm yeah. that is on my list this weekend to find it and watch it. Check it um, out. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I, and yeah. I find it really interesting that you write mostly fiction, uh-huh. but your movies are mostly documentaries. So not. Yeah. Fiction. Well, I also do fake documentaries. Okay. The, yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I love doing documentaries because I like working with the people, and and then, but I have been doing these 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 like I, I did the Six Madness. I did another one similar to that, uh, Terra Frankenstein. Um, but yeah, if uh, that Sex Madness revealed is on, um, you can get that on on Prime or Kino Cult is now running it for free so if oh, you, go to cool. Google, you can watch that yes okay well we have about five minutes left um okay. tell tell people where to find your work um what's next on the horizon and i just want to give a quick shout out to linda hogan who'll be on the podcast on 12 for 14 she's used to be in my writing group um her book our song a memoir of love and race just came out that's going to be i mean i literally read this book in in chapters before it came out and her she started writing this seven years ago maybe so that's really exciting um and i love memoir i mean that's my favorite genre 
and I can't wait to get Strange Cures, which you uh, referenced. But t- tell people, yeah. I know they can get all these books on the Telekinesis website. Yeah. Um, and do you have your own website where they can see some of your stuff as well? Yeah, you can go to Tim to Tur- Tim2Kirk.com, the two between the K- Tim and the Kirk. And you get Pelicanesis. It's the best place to buy this stuff. Yeah. It is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that, but the best place is to go to Pelicanesis. And then my films are out there. You know, um, you can go on Wikipedia or IMDb and they have the the filmography of my films. And, um, but I would the Sex Madness revealed. I'm very proud of. Also, the director's commentary, Terror Frankenstein, which is mm-hmm. another fake. It's another fake story of a making of a film, and I, I wrote that with my cousin Jay. It's, I'm really proud of it. Um, so those are the things coming up. I've got a short that's going to be coming out very soon, um, and it's about uh, a 35 year rift in a family based on an episode of Miami Vice. So it's called the Miami Vice incident. So that's the Miami Vice incident. Yeah. So. <laughs> Again, nostalgia, right? I mean, who did not grow up in the eighties? Anyone that grew up in the eighties remembers Miami Vice. Oh yeah, yeah. Shirts and yeah, cubs a, and yeah. It's a big thing. That and chips, I mean huge. Yes. Huge yeah. to me. Eric Estrada, come on. Um <laughs> So you are this total renaissance. Oh, I got uh, the one and only Mark Gibbons. Room 237 is on Pluto TV right now. And I am going to watch it maybe tonight. Good to know. know. Yeah. And then uh, Mark also put your IMDB page on there, which is really cool. I had seen that too. I really love uh, how much credit you have. But like I said, you're like this renaissance. I've. I don't think I've ever met someone that does so many different things so well. And it's just been an honor to meet you. Thank you. you. Well, thank you for reading the book and liking it so much. You really are like the perfect, um, the perfect reader. (laughs) To say, so really, it was very, very, very nice to, 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 to hear your takes on it. And Mark knew I would love it because Mark knows me. And I mean, it's my twin that's super obsessed with puppets, but I am too. And I just think it's such an interesting book. It's so creative and just so, I mean, pee your pants, funny, wear your depends for those women TMI who are in menopause, wear your depends. You are going to pee yourself laughing. It's so freaking funny. I think humor is the hardest thing to do. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. For sure. Totally. Anyone can write a sad story. Not that I don't yeah. love me a sad story, but a yeah. funny sad story about a guy who almost dies <laughs> and then falls out of faith with JC. I mean, that's classic, man. Well, thanks. Thanks. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on. It's All been right. an honor. Let's wait yeah. everyone out. Bye, you guys. Bye. We're going to end now. But uh, like I said, next week is the last podcast of 2022. Linda Hogan will be on, author of her book our song a memoir in love and race check us out next week 7 p.m and then i'll take a hiatus for a month so bye everyone thank you tim bye